Amen. Hey, we're once again into intro to apologetics. That's right, which again means to give a defense of the faith uh, that we have within us, obviously. Uh, and that's where we started off with First Peter chapter 3, our opening text last week. Uh, but uh, to build on this, I wanted to read another one, this time from 2 Peter chapter 3. Open your Bibles, if you will, before we get started. 2 Peter chapter 3. Why is it important to have a study on the introduction uh, to apologetics? Why do we need to discuss these issues as Christians? Why is it that we can't just look at somebody and say, hey, you just got to believe it by faith? Doesn't work, uh, as the prophet Bobby has spoken. Uh, no, it doesn't work. In fact, the Bible says it not only doesn't work by and large, but we're supposed to go beyond that. We're supposed to do our homework and give a defense. Okay, why? Because this is our society. Now, the context of this passage, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 is where we're going to start, uh, is dealing with the last days. Okay, has anybody seen any evidence lately we might be in the last days? Yeah, maybe we should preach on it sometime. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, we're just a little bit in the last days. And this passage tells us the kind of society that we're going to be in if you're in the last days. Now tell me this isn't happening as yet another sign uh, that we're really in the last days. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Now, first of all, you must understand, that's an imperative. You've you got to get this, okay? That in the what? Last days. How do you know you're in the last days? What's going to come? What's going to be characteristic of that society? Scoffers. Man, good thing we don't have scoffers here today. That everybody is really dead set on a Judeo-Christian ethic in our world. It's being taught in our school system. Uh, we still get to pray before school like we used to. And, 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 and yeah, scoffers are all over the place uh, today. Okay, We're in that society. And it says this now. This, and they're going to be following their what? Scientific data. They are absolutely steered in this direction to be anti-God, anti-Christianity, because the evidence is so overwhelming to the contrary. No. The whole point is they want to follow their own evil desires. They don't want there to be a God. Okay, because if there is no God, logically, then you get to be God. You get to do whatever you want to do. Okay, that, that's the issue. So it's not on hard facts. It's, it's a flesh issue. This is the, and here's what they're going to say. Tell me this isn't what people that we're surrounded with say today to us today. It says, where is this coming, he promised. <laughs> Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it is since the beginning of creation. But listen. It says they deliberately forget. Now, that's the word we saw last week. I just quoted it to you. This is the passage. They deliberately forget. Now, what does that mean? Our society would get so bad that they not only scoff and they not only uh, uh, will, will uh, turn away from the facts, but the reason why they do it is because they deliberately forget. What does that mean? Break that down. Willingly ignorant, or as one guy takes it even a step further, and that means dumb on purpose. I am choosing to be willingly ignorant. I am choosing to be dumb on purpose. I am choosing, though, there's a plethora of evidence that, that God exists. And he, the context is, he judged the world once because of sin. He's going to do it a second time. But you know what? I'm not going to look at the facts. I'm not going to deal with the evidence. I'm going to be dumb on purpose, willingly ignorant, deliberately forget. And he says this. He says this, uh, that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and uh, the earth was formed out of water and by water. Now, by these waters also, the world of that time, Noah's days, was what? Deluged and destroyed. Now, listen, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. What's that mean? Well, as we're going to see, if we get that far in our little timeline, God is in the realm of eternity where there is no time. Time's irregardless to God. He sees the beginning from the end all at the same time. It's not an issue of slowness. He sees the whole picture all at the same time. 
He says this. He says it's, it's not, uh, he's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to what? Why, God, why? You'll have the scoffer that not only scoffs today at God's existence, even though there's a ton of evidence, and that's what we're studying about, the logical, uh, uh, scientific evidence that we can see, uh, astronomical, geological, all the evidence that we see uh, of God's existence, they still will scoff at it, okay? But it says here that the reason why, they'll, they'll go a step further and they'll say, well, not only they scoff at his existence, but then they say, well, if he exists, what kind of a God is this? Why does he let evil and suffering go on? Have you heard that one? If God's real, why is all this happening? Well, he, this tells us why. He's not condoning it. The scripture's clear. He's going to judge this planet. Have you heard of something called the seven-year tribulation? That's a horrible time frame, okay? For seven years, God's wrath is going to be poured on this planet, and you don't want to be there. He is going to put an end to that baloney, but in the meantime, he tells us it's an act of his mercy. He's not up there twilling some so oh, just too bad I can't intervene, do nothing. He's giving people time to respond, to be rescued. That's the reason why. He's not being some sort of ogres, they would say. But the day of the Lord, he says this, uh, it, it will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. We're going to talk again once again about the cosmological argument, the argument of beginnings. And the world says, well, it started with a big bang. And somehow that explains it all. Uh, he explains it away. Excuse me? I like what one guy said in this passage. He says, yeah, I believe in a big bang. It's just my big bang is different than your big bang. Okay, but there is a big bang that's coming. And that's the one you need to be prepared for. <laughs> boom everything's blown up baby the whole earth the universe it's going up in smoke literally to the atomic level god's literally going to have the protons if you will uh just everything fly apart uh in the nucleus of the atom and everything will be just completely whoosh, done away with in fire okay and he says this i love this since everything is going to be destroyed in this way what kind of people ought you to be well it's obvious christian you ought to goof off you know, slack off in your relationship with Jesus and get worldly and have as much fun as you can. Oh, I'm sorry, Ruth, wrong translation. Uh, you know, this is coming. It says you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward, not running away from. You look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, okay? God is coming back, folks, and we need to get excited about that. We need to long for his appearing. Now, we're talking about this first chapter in Introduction to Apologetics, and that, of course, is the title of Does God Exist? And we dealt with the four classic uh, arguments for the existence of God last time. That was the ontological argument or the argument of being, the cosmological argument. We're going to continue on with that tonight. The teleological argument or the argument of design or the anthropological argument or the argument of morals, okay? And if, for those of you who just, if you want to have this uh, kind of a memory technique, uh, if you want to be able to, if somebody says, well, how do you even know God exists? Well, you can just, uh, you know, do some, you, you can, the classic technique is you can take the first letter of each one of these and you turn it into a word and then that helps you to remember it. Okay, for instance, for me, at least in Bible college, it was the goofier, the better. You know what I'm saying? And with that, so like this one for me, the obvious one that we could make up tonight would be like overjoyed cows taste awesome. All right, so if you could just remember, if somebody asks you the question, does God really exist? Hey, overjoyed cows taste awesome. Uh, ontological, cosmological. Okay, now if you want to flip it around the, on the negative, then what you could say is uh, old chickens t 
tear apart. They destroy families. They destroy societies. Don't let them in. Okay, but anyway. But either way, uh, that's a good quick way to remember the four classical arguments for the existence of God. So a little teaching technique for you tonight. Okay, now, at the bottom of that page, it says, we're now going to look at reason number one. Reason number one, according to their time frame, because remember last week we added one. The ontological argument, and that was the argument of with Helen Keller in that story there. Uh, we're going to take a look at this guy, the cosmological uh, uh, argument for the existence of God. Uh, top of page, uh, the next page, page two, says reason one, everything that has a beginning has a what? A cause. Why? Why is that profound? Well, it's a scientific law. As we saw last week, it's called the law of cause and effect, which means every material effect must have an adequate cause that existed before the effect. Okay, as we saw before, how many guys are here tonight? Raise your hand. Man, once again, the rest of you, I'm scared, man. What are you, are you mannequins? You look real. I know Disney gets animatron stuff going on, but you guys are pulling it off even better. Better go down to L.A. or something, but uh, make a living. Uh, but anyway, uh, be on display. But anyway, I digress. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, anyway, so, uh, but uh, no, because we're here. Okay, so, so we, where do we come from? God, okay, but the immediate cause was who? Mom and dad, as we saw last week, it's been scientifically proven, this is how profound it is, that if your parents didn't have any kids, you won't either. Okay, why? Because of the law of cause and effect. Okay, uh, you had to come from somewhere. You came from mom and dad. And of course, mom and dad came from somewhere, etc., etc. That's the law of cause and effect. Okay, now, I love these visual analogies he gives there in your workbook. He says, now, when we find water on the floor, we look for a what? A cause. What is the logical response if you were to go into your basement Okay, and all of a sudden, there's tons of water in there, and it wasn't there before. What is the logical response? Toilet overflowed. Toilet okay, we won't ask the, what was going on this week. But anyway, so, but, uh, we, but, but, it, but it had to come from somewhere, right? Did the water evolve there over millions and millions of years, one little drop at a time, and the wind? No, it, we, it's, it's a logical response to say, hey, it wasn't there before, it's there now. Something had to cause this that's pure logic second one this is even better when a window is broken we look for a cause hey maybe somebody threw a rock at it no no robert you got it all wrong don't you understand that that it was it was about 300 million years ago it started out as a solid window but as we all know, the process of evolution over millions and millions of years and the bacteria begin to invade and, and all this stuff and it slowly evolved into a window with a hole in it. Now, if we actually said that and actually believed that and tried to, listen, not just believe it, but we actually, went, we were a substitute teacher in school and that's what we taught is the lesson. How long would we last? But when it comes to the origin of life, when it comes to the origin of the universe, when it comes to our cause for existence, it's acceptable. But not for a window. Let's give you another one. When I get sick, okay, when we get sick, we look for what? A cause. Maybe I ate some bad food. You know it, Bobby. Preach it. Turn the pages. That's exactly where I was going. Uh, anybody notice that it was the week after uh, Thanksgiving when everybody was ingesting swamp chicken? We had a ton of people out the next week. Hello, there's a cause to everything. You know, this is good science, folks. Okay, let's continue on, right? Now, here's the whole point. Those are just three examples. Water all of a sudden appears. There's a hole in a window where there wasn't before. Uh, you were feeling just fine. All of a sudden, now you feel sick, okay? You, you, your brain automatically, logically, common sense, looks towards a cause. Now, listen. At the bottom, it says, Can you think of anything in this world that does not have a cause? 
okay? Then how in the world could somebody make the, with all due respect, brainless comment that we all got here from a, a big bang? Out of nothing. Okay, well, that would be here. Now, it gets even more so. Let's continue on this on the top of the next page. Imagine that you're a world traveler and an explorer. Not just a traveler, you're an explorer. Uh, and you're traveling in a boat, and you sail up to an island that you believe no other person has ever been to before. Okay? Now, as you're walking around the island, you discover this. Okay? As you can see with the picture there, it's a, not just a log cabin. Uh, definitely, by the looks of it, much better than anything that I could ever build. But this one's nice and livable. And it's uh, good, but it's, it's a really awesome log cabin. Now, would you say this? Wow, what luck. This is a perfect place to live. This place is perfectly suited for my needs. By cracky, I guess, over billions of years, wind, dirt, and water created this, and I'm just going to happen to make myself a home. Isn't that awesome? Woo! Right? Now, obviously, if you did say that, you would assume, what is the cause for that kind of a comment? Well, the person obviously must have sleep deprivation. Maybe they're exploring and haven't eaten for 19 days and they're getting a little loopy, you know. We're, we would look for a cause for that kind of a statement, right? Or did you say, what would be the logical response? Well, obviously, I'm not the first person on the island. Somebody had to make that log cabin. That's pure common sense logic, right? Can you imagine coming up to that and your hunting buddy actually believes that? I wouldn't want to go hunting with that guy anymore. <laughs> Get a, put the gun away. I'm going back home. Hunt by yourself. Okay? But somehow that's acceptable in school today? Somehow when you flip on the TV at the nature channel, or the history channel, have you noticed how anti-Christian those things have become? One thing is called what it is. The anti-Christian channel is what it is. And they take good stuff, but then what do they got to weave in there? Millions of years ago. And don't you know if this bird... Uh, turned into, and it's feathered with this, and it's, it's this bird over here, and over millions of years, uh, it, it's this bird with the red beak now, and then over another million years, it's uh, this bird here with the red beak, and it's got this little black splotch on here. Uh, l- let me, yeah. So what you're telling me is in the beginning of this process, you started out with a bird, and then you ended up with a bird. Hey, wow, that's really profound. That's... Okay, it's crazy, okay? Uh, Yeah, we'll get to that species variation. That's not evolution, by the way. Okay, anyway, so I'm not the only person on the island. That's what you would logically come to the conclusion that something caused that. Okay, and something with intelligence, right? Something with skill. Okay, now listen to this. Obviously, you would assume that someone built the house, right? Let's look at a couple other obvious examples, not just with the cabin. You come along the deal, and you notice a painting, You see a painting, what's the logical response? You assume that somebody caused that. You assume that there was a painter. Now granted, if you've been to some art things, it looks like it might have been some random thing where a guy was walking by and spilled a bunch of paint on there, whatever, you know, or a cat ran across it, but still a cat's causing it. But uh, anyway, uh, but, but you see a painting, you imply a painter, uh, a building. You see a building. Aren't you guys glad? Isn't this so nifty? Here we are tonight in this wonderful facility. It's nice and warm, at least in here. Okay. And uh, we got lights. We got, okay, we got electronics. Isn't it awesome that when we all just happened to meet here purely by chance. And this happened to be here fully formed, ready, fully functioning, camera equipment, lights, heater, electricity, all of it, because it happened over millions and millions of years. You know, isn't it? It was the wind that came in off the mountains over there, and then the, there was a, like a, there had to have been like a mudslide this, this way, and then 15 lightning bolts later, 
It's ridiculous. Where did this facility come from? Where did this building come from? Who caused it? Christian airmen, right? Adonellis built this place, right? We see a building, it implies a builder. You see a painting, it implies a painter, okay? And uh, let me give you, uh, uh, here's one. How many of you guys have been down uh, at the strip lately? And I don't know if you've noticed this, okay? And I know it's a slow process, so you're going to have to be looking at it for quite some time. But did you realize that over the last, apparently, I'm just going to throw out a date, because that's what happens. Uh, um, 1.5 million years uh, uh, has uh, progressed. And if you guys noticed that through the process of evolution, there's this giant Ferris wheel there now? Isn't that awesome? How evolution has now created that giant Ferris wheel? It's just, I know it's taking a while, Tom. But it's, it just spontaneously just, whoa, wow. And it's going to be awesome. And praise God for that because we need to do something to stir on the economy here locally. And the good thing for evolution, to come to the rescue. Where'd that Ferris wheel come from? Is it logical or illogical to say that it had to be caused by somebody? That's logical. Is it illogical to say that that Ferris wheel, a painting, or the building, any kind of building, came from pure chance? Then why is it acceptable in school, in TV, the History Channel, Nature Channel? Why is, it, why is that acceptable to teach kids? It's not. It's ridiculous. What did opening text say? They, they, they were deliberately what? Deliberately forget, willingly ignorant, dumb on purpose. I'm not even going to use logic. I'm going to choose to actually have more faith in you and believe in something completely illogical. That requires more faith. Now, here's it says, what about our universe? Is your next blank there. What about our universe? Remember, if you go back to the log cabin, you're walking out there, uh, you're, you sent your hunting buddy home because his weird comments there, and you're all by yourself, and it's not just a log cabin out there, it's a perfect one, it's a perfect place to live, it's perfectly suited for your needs. It's got the whole nine yards, you got your bathroom, you got your running water, you got a fridge, you got electricity, it's perfectly suited, it's absolutely awesome. So what about our universe? It's a perfect place, is your next blank there, to live. Okay? It is perfectly suited is your next blank there, for our basic needs. How many guys just love breathing air? Right? I'm going to try to make it, you know, some, one of the last things I do, and you just keep on doing it until you can keep doing it. And, and, but breathing air is awesome. Wait till we get to that issue on intelligent design. Just the air that we have, that we're sucking in, and don't even think about it, is an absolutely a design marvel. Okay? Water. Anybody enjoy uh, water? Comes in handy once in a while? Absolutely phenomenal that we just not only have to have to have the right air to breathe, but even water too, and just everything else. The distance from the uh, sun uh, uh, to the earth, the distance of the moon uh, to the earth. That's not by chance. Evolution would say they were just randomly just, hey, just happened to stop in the right spot. That's ridiculous. Okay, the moon is moving further away from the earth every year. Did you know that? Okay, which means it used to be closer. Just, I'm just give me a little bit of evidence when we get to young creation, right? Okay, so it used to be closer. Now, if you have biblical dates, okay, within about 6,000 years or so, roughly, you don't have a problem because it's closer, okay? Uh, but if you have evolutionary dates, 4.5 billion years, or Earth or whatever's been here, you got a major problem because it doesn't take that many millions of years and the, the uh, moon is touching the Earth, which is ridiculous. Okay, the math doesn't work with the distance of the moon. It's strategically placed exactly where it needs to be. But we can extrapolate backwards with time, saying it couldn't be evolutionary time. There's too much time. It'd be touching the planet. And long before it even touched the planet, life could not survive. Okay? 
I forget what the stats were, but it wasn't. It was just a, a, a minor amount of time that all the, we wouldn't even get to the point where the moon touched the earth and destroyed everything. Uh, it wouldn't take that long because you get to a certain point where the moon starts to affect the tides and it literally would cause uh, the tides to flood the earth twice a day. You couldn't have life. And it's been scientifically proven, Tom, that you can only comfortably drown once a day. Okay, so, but what? The sun, the sun, the same thing, happens to be strategically exactly placed in the right spot. Okay, and if it got closer, then guess what? You're, you're burning. You see what I'm saying? Everything is in its exact right spot, exact like location. It's perfectly suited for our needs, everything. And it all happened by chance. Wind and rain and... It was what? And that's what I like about this example of the log cabin. It's got everything, man. It's got the plumbing you need, the electricity you need, everything you need. A instantaneously, a four-year-old, I'm convinced, would say, somebody built that. But then you get into school and they say, nope, nope, nobody did it. Just happened. It's crazy, okay? Did the universe have a cause? We're cooking now. Let's take a look. We're going to take a look at three options, logically, that you have for where in the world did the universe uh, come from. The first one is, well, gee, maybe the universe is uh, eternal. It's just always been here. Okay, which is ridiculous because that would make the universe God. Because God, by definition, is what's called a supreme being. Okay, and what makes God God is nobody's bigger than him. Isn't that a comforting thing? And that we belong to him, so nobody can beat God up, never will. God never loses, and we belong to him. So what are you afraid about? Okay, that's a neat thing. But supreme being, the basic uh, uh, definition of a supreme being is that uh, a, a couple things is that he has to be, if he's supreme, then he has to be all-knowing, okay? Uh, why is that important? Because if there's something that God didn't know, then he wouldn't be supreme, would he? Somebody knows more than him, right? So God has to be, by definition, even if he didn't want to, in the outset, truly believe in a God, if there is a God, and you're to flirt with that logically, then he has to be supreme, and if he is supreme, he has to be all-knowing. He has to be everywhere uh, present, okay, right? Why? Because he can't have limitations. Because if he had limitations, then he couldn't be supreme. Somebody's got more uh, ability than him, he's, he's limited. Well, he wouldn't be supreme. Which leads to the next one. Then he would also have to be all-powerful. Okay, why is that important? Because if somebody was more powerful than God, then he's not God. God, by definition, is supreme. Okay, the other important thing is God, by, by nature, has to be what's called self-existent. Okay, N- meaning that he doesn't have a cause for ex- his existence. Why? Because then he wouldn't be supreme. He'd be dependent on something outside of him for his existence, and therefore he couldn't be supreme. You got it? Now, so I said all that to get to this. The universe being eternal means apparently it's self-existent. Well, then logically, it would make it God. Because if you're self-existent, then you're not... It's crazy. The second thing, a possibility, is the universe, they say, must have created itself. Okay, once again, let's go back to the analogy of wouldn't this be wonderful if you closed your checkbook, there's nothing in there, you opened it up and it created money. Yeah. Wouldn't that be neat if it worked that way? Oh, man, how many guys be closing it like this all day long? I'll take a day off from work and do this. <laughs> right? if, if that's why you, you could just somehow, cre- no, that's illogical. Why? Because of the scientific law of the law of cause and effect. It has to come, if there's something, it had to come from somewhere so the universe doesn't create itself okay 
Uh, it's, it's illogical. The third thing is then, and this is where logic, I would say, not just because you're a Christian, not just because the Bible says so. Logic drives you to this point. Then it had to be created from someone somewhere, i.e. God, because something had to cause it. That's your three arguments. Let's take a look at the first one. Uh, the universe is eternal, is your blank there. The universe is eternal eternal okay it's now clear because the growing mountain of scientific data that the universe did have a beginning okay why again is that important because if it had a beginning the cosmological argument there must logically just like you came from somewhere and and you had a beginning you had a birth logically you came from someone your parents that if we can demonstrate the universe had a beginning then logically it had to come from a, a, a parent if you will a capital p it had to come from somewhere right Pure logic, okay? It did have a beginning. Now, that wasn't always held by scientists. By far the most important piece of evidence supporting the existence of a divine creator is in the relatively recent scientific discovery of a definite beginning in the universe. A definite beginning in uh, the universe, okay? And again, they, the scientists admit this. Uh, they, there's no, nobody questions this. They're, they absolutely know that there was a beginning uh, to the universe, okay? And what they do is they say, well... It's the Big Bang. All right? It's the Big Bang. We all know it's the beginning of the universe. It's called the Big Bang. Therefore, we've just explained away the need for a God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, nothing blew up and here we are. That's being taught in schools right now. All right? I, I, what, what's that phrase again? Del, deliberately ignorant. ignorant. The, wh- what? How could you teach that? One thing to believe it, but how could you teach it? Now, that's being dumb on purpose. What? That makes no sense. How could, if ever there was a time when we have nothing, what would we have today? Nothing. Okay. Okay. We got something, so therefore it came from somewhere. And that's why it says, it's this definite beginning, the big bang of dirt come from. Now, if we, we're not going to probably get that far, uh, but there's a, there's a neat analogy uh, about uh, your kid. Your kid, uh, you go into your uh, kid's room, and uh, before you went in there the day before, it was nice and clean. I know, hey, listen, it's, it's an analogy. Just roll with it, okay? Uh, dare to dream, parents. Uh, but anyway, so maybe it was when you first moved in. How about that, okay? <laughs> you anyway, and it's clean. You go into the room now, and it's a complete mess, a big old mess, right? So the logical conclusion is that, uh, well, it just slowly over millions of years, uh, the wind and the rain, it just all evolved on my son's floor, and it just, it's not his fault, right? Now, here's what's funny. Uh, if, if your son were to come up, you know, hey, listen, I agree with you. The room used to be clean. Now it's not clean. But uh, I, I, I know what's happened. In fact, this process of what you see of it now being uh, dirty, I called it the big mess. Okay? So I'm not in trouble anymore. Because I've labeled it the big mess. And that's just now got me out of trouble. No. You could put a label on all you want. It didn't solve the problem. It didn't explain the question. You didn't answer the question. And this is what they do, guys. I'm telling you, they not only have the audacity to act like the Big Bang disproves God, when it actually proves the existence of God, because it proves there was a beginning, and logic says there must be a beginner. There has to be a cause. But then they, act, they, they, they put a label on it. They put a label on this proof that God exists, that there's a beginning, and called it the Big Bang. And somehow that does everything away. What? Do you see how absolutely crazy that is? Okay, and they just keep drilling it away. 
All right? The evidence that the universe is not eternal. Let's look at some science why we know, not just because the Bible says so, not that that's bad, but how do we know for sure that the evidence is in fact not eternal, that it's illogical and unscientific to think that it is? Well, let's take a look. The first one is the expanding universe. Our expanding universe suggests a beginning and a central point of origin. The beginning suggests a beginning or a creator. Is your blank there? A creator. Okay. And, and again, why that would be important, because if the universe is eternal, i.e. if it was always here, then how could it have a beginning? If it's eternal, why would there be a beginning point? The fact that there's a beginning point tells you that there was a beginning, which means you got a contradiction. You can't be eternal and have a beginning, right? You and I, okay, had a beginning, okay? The universe had a beginning, Okay, God gives us an eternal nature, the spirit nature. Okay, but the universe had a beginning. It's, it, it's, it's not eternal. Okay, it can't be eternal. If there's a beginning, it can't be. The second law of thermodynamics is the second guess, or the second reason why. And it's the universe is running out of usable energy. Okay, why is that important? Because if the universe is eternal, then how could you run out of gas? Right? And this is the analogy. The universe is winding down like a clock, which implies that it must have been wound up at some point in the distant past. This would not be true if the universe were eternal. To illustrate, how many guys would love to have this? Every car has a limited amount of energy or gas. If we had an unlimited, i.e. infinitely large gas tank, we would never have to stop for gas again. Wouldn't wouldn't it be great to have an eternal gas tank? Especially now. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be great, okay? Uh, we would never have to stop for gas again. The fact that we have to refill uh, shows that uh, it was filled up to begin with. Right? Same thing with the universe. There's no way, not just because the Bible says so, and again, that's not bad, but logic tells us you had a beginning, therefore you cannot be eternal. You are running out of gas, which means you haven't always been a full tank of gas, and it's always a full tank of gas, and it shows no signs of ever running out. That's not what we see. You're starting to run down. The universe is running out of gas. You can't be eternal. Now, this one's really cool, and this is radiation echo. 1965, two Bell Laboratory employees were testing an ultra-sensitive microwave radiation detector and accidentally discovered the low-level radiation static readings that were coming from, underline this, everywhere. Not just the room they were in. It's coming from everywhere this low-level radiation. No matter where they pointed the detector, they picked up a low-grade hum. It was discovered that there was a faint amount of radiation coming from every rock. Every rock, underline that. This radiation echo was first thought to be a malfunction or static on instruments. Many scientists soon deduced that the universe has low-level radiation from what? From some past catastrophe or explosion. It's almost like God's left us evidence of what he's done. Open your Bibles real quick to Psalm 19. This is cool. Maybe this is a little bit what the psalmist is talking about. Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. When you get there, say moo. Ah, that sounds beautiful. Psalm 19. Uh, Verse 1 through 4 says this, The heavens, what? Declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth, what? 
speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. What? So creation, voices, evidence of God's handiwork? 1965, radiation echo. We finally got the instruments to detect it. Isn't that wild? Everywhere we go, folks, all of creation is telling us the handiwork of God. Why don't you put that on TV? Right? Why do you have to suppress that? Okay. Jesus said, Luke 1940, even the rocks will cry out. Gee, the rocks are crying out, aren't they? Evidence for the existence of God. Okay, but not only, this is what we saw last week, not only was cool, Genesis, let's refresh ourselves real quick. Go to Genesis 1.1. All right. And... Uh, says there, in the beginning, God, what? Created the heavens and the earth. Now, as we saw last week, we broke it down. In the beginning time, beginning time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth. That's matter. Time, space, matter. Okay? That's our, time, uh, that's our mass continuum that we have here in our universe. That's good, basic, raw science right there. First page, first paragraph, first verse in the Bible. Okay, as we saw before, the Big Bang shows that, boom, all the matter in the universe uh, began at a, a specific point in time, right? Now, this is where we left off last week, gave you a little teaser, but it isn't just we know scientifically that all of the matter began at a specific moment in time that they just want to say Big Bang and somehow that eludes the question. It doesn't, okay? Like the room says, it's a big mess, and so that fixes it. No, it doesn't, okay? But also, they know that space and time had a beginning at the same time that matter had a beginning. Exactly what the first verse says in the Bible. And let me share that with you, okay? 1915, Albert Einstein published his second theory of general relativity. He built on his earlier theory with the measurements of time, space, matter, and length. And uh, this revealed that all the matter in the universe was moving away from a point of origin. He demonstrated, listen, that the universe was not eternal. It was finite. It had a beginning. That's what I, that was his big discovery. As we saw last week, that's all we ever hear about about Einstein is his crazy hair woo, and E equals MC squared. The big discovery was he proved that there was a beginning to the universe. Which implies a beginner. That's his big discovery. And they just don't seem to, to bring it up. Edwin Hubble, you heard that? The Hubble Space Telescope? Discovered that farther away the galaxies are, the faster they are moving away from a point of origin. And therefore showed that the universe began at a single point in space at a definite moment in time in a sudden burst of light, heat, and energy. But again, not just matter. They now know scientifically that at the exact same time that matter came into existence, so did space. And this is what's really cool. Time. Time is a created thing. Did you know that? Time actually, we have all these movies about time travel. Uh, There is a lot of validity to that believe it or not because time is a created thing they've actually demonstrated this i think it was the air force had done them. this is many years ago and they're taking the atomic clocks uh, precise uh, instruments obviously and they've actually put them on high speed uh, uh, airplanes and uh, and with the speed and they, they've demonstrated that i mean very minuscule but they can demonstrate uh that you can actually uh, uh time can be slowed uh and, and, and things of that nature so they've only they've, they've even put it to the point beyond just mathematical theory but they've shown that you can actually manipulate time. Why? Because it was, it's a created thing. There was a time when there was no time. Did you know that? The Bible says it in the very first line. 
But here's the evidence why we know that not just matter had a beginning, but so did time and space. This is from three British astrophysicists. Uh, Stephen Hawking, you heard of him? Another guy, George Ellis, Roger Penrose. This was back in 1968, 1970, that era there. This is how long they've known this. Why don't you put a show out on this? Okay. And what they did is they added time and space to the equation of Einstein's theory of general relativity. And what was discovered that space and time are not infinite. Their calculation showed, listen, that time and space had not just a beginning. They had a beginning right along with matter and energy. In fact, according to the calculations, time and space had a beginning that corresponds exactly to the origin of matter and energy. In other words, they proved scientifically the, the precise accurateness of Genesis 1-1. But we're the dum-dums. And they're smart, smart. We don't understand science. It's science that's catching up to what the Bible's been saying all along. Okay, our faith is reasonable. God didn't say check in your brain at the door when you become a Christian. Come let us reason together, he says. And he's so stinking merciful to us, guys. I'm firmly convinced that he meets us in our little faith and he's left behind for soap, radiation, echo, common sense, the brains he gave us to think logically, common sense, that there's a beginning, there's a cause. And then he, to the point where we now have the instruments and the science to prove what we could have just saved all that money and just took at face value the first verse. Have you ever realized, this, this is what blows me away. Do you realize how much money we must blow and throw away all because we reject God? We're spending billions of dollars to go out and look in the universe for other life and all this stuff. And we're paying for that, by the way. You just need to read the scripture. How many billions of dollars are spent on evolutionary grants to try to dig up a bone in the dirt and they still can't find the missing link? The only problem with the missing link is it's still missing. It will always be missing because it's not true. But they keep dishing out all these millions and billions of dollars now with their grants, and we're paying for that. If you would stop teaching, this is a kind of interesting comment, if you would stop teaching evolution because it's debunk, it's bunk, and just get back to, just, just get science, just get rid of the evolution thing, and just teach what you do know, and you don't have to theorize that it all came from nothing. Just get rid of that stuff, and don't pay for anybody to further try to propagate that stuff. We probably have enough money to right off the national debt. You ever think about that? How much money is being spent and wasted? Because why? We have now become a society of scoffers in the last days, and we are now choosing to be deliberately dumb on purpose to the point where we're spending billions of dollars to defend something that is absolutely inane and illogical. And we wonder why the wrath of God is coming. You wonder why Romans chapter 1 says nobody's going to stand before God. You're going to get there without a rag of excuse. Nobody's going to stand before God and say, God, you didn't have enough evidence. Excuse me. Let's continue on. Now, another interesting outcome of Einstein's theory of relativity was the discovery of, listen, dimensions of time and space that exist separately and distinct from the four dimensions we experience, linked with height uh, and time. And these dimensions may even be in our midst, but not visible to us. Mathematicians have shown that up to 11 dimensions exist in the universe. Now, why is that important scientifically? That there's other dimensions that are real, but nonetheless currently invisible to us, but they are real. Well, has anybody ever heard the phrase spirit world? Have anybody ever heard of these critters that can traverse between the realm of God the Father and another dimension called eternity? And how they can travel from one dimension to the next. Angels pop in, they pop out. 
We now know that's possible scientifically. It's dimensional travel. It's just they don't use our biblical terms. Okay? God, by definition, is supreme. He is eternal. We just demonstrated scientifically that time where you and I live had a beginning point and it's going to have an ending point. It's going to end with the state of eternity and Revelation is clear about that. There's going to be a time when there is no more time. Okay? But right now, you and I live in the realm of time that was created at the exact same time as space and matter and energy. Okay? All created right back here, Genesis 1.1. Okay? But God is eternal, represented by the arrows. No beginning, no end. Okay? He lives in this dimension where there is no time. Now, this is what's wild, and this is what's comforting for you and I, the Christian. God, when you look at his perspective down on time, he sees the beginning from the end all at the same time. Right? He uses terms like, I'm the alpha, the omega, I'm the beginning, I'm the end. And this is what you and I somewhere are in here in this realm of time, right? God not only sees our past, he sees our present, and he sees our future. He sees it all, all at the same time, anytime he wants to see it. What are we worried about? As if he doesn't know what he's doing? (laughs) He's above and beyond all that. He created this world of time, space, matter, all at the same time, just like that, for us to exist. The Bible talks about these different dimensions. I just mentioned these, and it talks about uh, the heavens. It's urnos in the Greek. The first heaven is the sky, where the birds are, the Bible talks about. The second heavens, where the stars are, is space. The third heaven, where the apostle Paul was caught up to the dwelling place of God the Father, is in the realm of eternity. And again, as we saw angels, you go back to angels, angels are special beings created by God who have the ability to traverse from one dimension into the next. They pop in, they pop back out. Isn't that wild? We can now explain this scientifically. Why don't you make a show about that? Well, because they give credence to the Bible and you don't want to do that. Okay? Absolutely amazing. He goes on, he says this, the physicists also believe that there are places in the universe where time ceases to flow. And one of these places is a black hole. It's interesting that the Bible tells us that God dwells in a place where time does not flow. For centuries, this concept was mocked by scientists, but now such a place is scientific fact. We know that there's a place in the universe that the Bible's been calling all this time eternity. There's no such thing as time there. Guess who lives there? When we die and absent from the body, guess where we're going? We're going to that place and you get to take the watch off. And you can't get kicked out. Isn't that cool? There's going to be a time when there is no time. Now this is a mind blower if you think about it uh, from God's perspective. And this is just one of those big, big thoughts for the night. Okay. Now, let's say you got the cross of Jesus Christ here, the centerpiece, if you will, of time in this, this realm. Okay. And we can explain scientifically. And you got the Old Testament saints who look forward in faith to the Messiah. You and I, the New Testament saints, look back in faith to the Messiah. It's always been faith. It's always in God's provision. That's the, the methodology. But you got the Old Testament saints. And, uh, uh, and, of course, we saw before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they went into Sheol. But when Jesus raised from the dead, they went uh, to be uh, with God. Okay. Um, but for you and I, the Christians, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, absent from the body is to be present with God. So when we die, we don't go there anymore. We go immediately to be with Jesus, right? But just think about it just in the New Testament sense. You got the early church, Stephen, the first martyr. Pew, he goes up into that dimension. He goes into eternity. He goes into heaven. Right? Instantaneously. Bang. He goes in there. Right? And then you got all the early church. 
And then you got all the folks, the Christians throughout history, and all these people over there. Okay, and everybody's going up here like this at different time uh, during, in the timeline of human history and all there. But if you look at it, and you got the Old Testament saints, they went at the cross of Christ and, and all this stuff. And, and then even after we die, if the Lord should tarry and, and all that stuff, and you got all these people going up here. Now, that in our point, that person died 400 years ago. That person died 1,400 years ago. That person died four days ago, all that stuff. But from here's the mind-blowing thought. From God's perspective, when you look at this, could it be possible that everybody gets there at the same time? Isn't that wild? That's your heavy thought for tonight. You can think and sleep on that. But wouldn't that be cool? We all think that it's you know, one person pops in there, pops in there, and everybody's just kind of waiting around. But maybe from God's perspective, everybody ride. Party time. Everybody's there all at once. It could be possible. That's your deep thought for today. It goes on. If one were to be sucked into a black hole or any other realm where time ceases to flow, we could see, listen, this is science. We could see the flow of time like we were reading the pages of a book. Hmm. Let's do that. This is God's world. Eternity. No time. So here's the realm of time. He could see here and here and here and here. He's just like he's flipping through the pages of a book. And he can see any page he wants, any time, the whole book, the front, the cover, all of it, all at the same time. Science is just now catching up with that. Isn't that wild? Since we would experience no flow of time, the beginning and the end of time-filled dimensions would be present and observable all at once. In other words, we would be able to have that outside perspective like God to see the whole thing in one shot. Okay? These strange facts of physics may be evidence, maybe may be evidence for the truth of what we call the supernatural spirit realm. Mocked at, scoffed at, you and I, dumb, dumb. Okay? But science is finally catching up uh, to what we've been uh, believing for a long time, what God's recorded for us. Isn't that absolutely mind-blowing? And that's all just in the one verse, the very first verse uh, on the very first page of the Bible. Loaded statement that's going on there. Time, space, matter had a beginning. Lord willing, next week uh, we'll get into the aspect of uh, did the universe create itself? I don't think so. And then the final one, hopefully, uh, the universe uh, had a creator. It is not just, listen, logical, okay? It is completely logical to say that everything that we have today had to come from a creator. What you're going to see is it's completely non-scientific and illogical to say it came from nothing. The more that, I'm telling you guys, the more that we get equipped with this stuff, you can, I'm not saying go in with a bad attitude, but you can go into your teachers, you can go into your professors, and you can start just asking some of these basic common sense questions. Well, if you were out in the forest and you came across this cabin, would you say, blah, blah, blah. If you were down in your house and you saw a hole in the window, would you actually say, it evolved there? Over And, and, and you could share that in love with your teacher, your professor, or your fellow person who's into evolution, and I guarantee you, 99% of the time, it literally completely catches them off guard. You know why? Because nobody has ever taken the time to challenge them with common sense logic, critical thinking, and scientific data to the contrary. Even sometimes to their own credit. Because it's a closed system, guys. You need to understand that our scientific community really isn't following science. Science is you're supposed to deal with the facts as they come. Observe, repeated, demonstrated. That's science. But what we're going to see is that that's not what's going on. Anything that they find contrary to their established belief, they get rid of it, they hide it, they destroy it. Got it on video. What do you see that? Okay, that's not science. 
okay? But nobody has come, and, and you and I think, well, I could never take on a professor or something. If you just get equipped with just basic science, rules of science, if you get equipped with just common sense logic, I'm telling you, you're going to throw them for a loop because nobody's ever done it before. Because it's a closed system. Do you think that they have these kind of discussions amongst themselves in school? No. Do you think that they have these kinds of discussion when they're teaching evolution in the university? No. And so here you and I come armed, given a defense for the hope that lies within us, with this, blows them out of the water. I'll just close with this one real quick. Uh, I got, man, I got so many debates uh, on creation evolution in my office. And there's this one debate, and this person's coming out and real, within 10 minutes, the guy had so unraveled uh, his opponent in love, just slowly, methodically, they, you, you literally felt sorry for the other person. Because you could see it in their countenance, they were just speechless. Nobody had ever come up to them and said, excuse me, um, Let's talk about your checkbook. Can your checkbook produce... Now, you see what I'm saying? Blows my the water. So that's what we're going to get equipped with. Again, Lord willing, next week we're going to take a look uh, at did the universe create itself and no, it didn't, it came from God. Then, Lord willing, we're going to get into the uh, aspect of uh, intelligent design. Okay, and again, we're going to get into that really deep. I'm going to take a detour. We're doing video clips. We're doing the whole nine yards and taking a look uh, at uh, if you see design is something, it implies a designer. It had to come from God. Okay? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ... Uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, Even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? 
Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon. That God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved.
Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.